Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are my journals out loud. And I wanted to do something a little bit differently today. I wanted to just sort of share some thoughts that, you know, I've only been meaning to get to for the last five, ten years, but I never seem to get to them. But I'm having this, if you don't start now, you never will. It's just like I want to be a girl, and I've had that thought for 30 or 40 years. If I don't start now, I never will. But we are going to do it within the context of those of us who are wired for danger. So I am going to play the intro. So it's skip ahead for three minutes if you don't want to listen to it. If you're new and you listen to this three-minute intro, you will know if you resonate with it, you are probably wired for danger. If you don't resonate with it, it doesn't mean you won't get value from what we talk about because I want to talk about something very much from the heart. And I think we all have one and we all have a connection there. Uh, The nervous system is more about how we're filtering out the rest of the world. So we're going to just take a deep breath and I will see you on the other side. you're here. My name is Jill and these are my journals out loud. I draw on them to bring you a podcast focusing on those of us who are wired for danger. In both the fight and the fallout because my heart and mission is to serve you and yours and what I know to be true as a wired for danger human. The quest for meaning Without a mission we are willing to die for, there is no purpose or meaning to live for. We are not special, but necessary. Our lives are often hard, and they rarely end well. But even knowing all of this, we just can't not do what we were born to do, because we can't stop being who we were born to be. If you are new, I hope you'll listen and see if any of this rings true. And if so, you are not alone. And with that, we are so glad you're here. I've been looking for a place that I'd rather be. I've been searching for my own destiny. I raise my gun to the sky and scream out loud. This is my life. This is my hope. This is 
and we're back. So what I wanted to do today was, uh, just like I said, I want to talk about a few things that I never get to because I'm too busy in survival mode. And I sort of had an epiphany the other day that uh, part of who we are, you know, as Wired for Danger is uh, we like to be explorers. We like to seek. We like to go out. And for me, survival started that way. It was an adventure and it was something I was excited to learn about. And I put myself in all these different situations and it was fun, even if it was uncomfortable. But it occurred to me, it's not fun anymore. It's mundane. It's routine. It's boring. And it's, you know, I keep saying it's killing me. It's just too much work and there's no adventure to it. It's just constant struggle. So uh, I have, as I've told you, I've been listening to uh, these biographies of different women and different people. And, you know, there's a theme, the the mavericks, the outlaws, the adventurers, the explorers. And so I sort of had that like epiphany, you know, I need, an, I need to shift gears. Uh, you know, I know that I need to do that in terms of I can't physically manage this lifestyle anymore. But I've wanted to figure out how I wanted to move forward because, as you know, you know, I have to drive away at some point. I just have a really bad feeling about this winter. And I don't want to just go park in the desert where it's less cold, right? I wanted to have a purpose because when I left 12 years ago, you know, I think August 11th and 12th, I forget which day I left. That's my anniversary. That's when I drove away in the white trailer for the very first time. But I had a plan. You know, I was going to farms. I was uh, doing something very specific. I had a point that I was directing myself to. So I've been struggling with that for months and months and years and years now, like, where do I want to focus on? What do I want to do? And who do I want to talk to? Who do I want to go see? Because I don't want to just go sit someplace. But my thinking has been in survival mode for so long. Uh, I have been very focused on, you know, farming, ranching, you know, with the fear of survival food. And I really just can't get motivated to go do that. So, you know, when, I don't know about you, but for those of us who are mission oriented, if we don't, if we're not excited about the mission, it's hard to get the energy to focus on it. And so partly what I've been doing is trying to figure out who do I want or how do I want to move forward in terms of, of my own interests. And I say that because, you know, all, all of us are at a different place. We all live in a different place. We all have different options. But I think there's, you know, kind of a growing awareness. I saw that even in the comments is that, you know, this is our moment. That's why I keep saying I want to be a girl because there's just not a great big future someday waiting for us to get there at some point in time. And so uh, I wanted to ask you a couple questions. Uh, and then I wanted to show you a couple things. So there should be hopefully some pictures in the uh, description below. Uh, and I want to get your ideas. 
Uh, and one of the things that I have been circling is, you know, what can I do offline? What can I sell? What can I make? And, you know, I've been going through some different ideas. And the thing that I'm finding myself kind of settle on is, you know, the journaling is, okay, if I stay with paper, wood, you know, writing utensils, uh, I like my rocks, uh, but also that includes books. And uh, you've heard me talk about this idea of creating an analog record. So I know that books don't have a lot of value uh, in the world today because we have everything online. But the question I wanted to ask you on is, what if you if you could just pack out one book, right? So if you were, uh, you know, doing the walk away thing, you know, and you had to backpack it out, if you could take just one book with you, which book would it be? You know, we did, I did that with you a while ago in terms of what was your favorite song. And I really enjoyed people putting their links to songs in the uh, comments and the stories associated with them. I thought that was really fun. And so I was hoping that we could do that again with books because, you know, I've been floating this idea, what I keep calling the book of wisdom. You know, what would I put in a single book that I would record in for my lifetime? And then if I had kids, you know, I would pass it on to my daughter, ideally, uh, or someone else's, you know, who didn't have a mom, you know, just a way to keep that information going. And there's been this interesting theme, you know, the last couple months. It's like every time I turn around, it seems like I find a reference to that idea uh, more in fiction. I was even uh, listening to The Hunger Games as an audiobook. And if you want that, all three books are available on YouTube for free. So it's uh, at the end, you know, one of the things she does is she creates this book, which is exactly, you know, kind of what I've been talking about. And I'm like, is the universe trying to tell me something? But I never get to it because I'm too busy with all this stupid survival crap. But if I was going to pick something, you know, I always have loved books. I have had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books that I had to get rid of uh, when I left my home. And I still have three big boxes of books in the back that I just cart around with me. And I uh, was looking just briefly. I was trying to find my old journals, you know, for the last year. Or so I was digging through boxes. But I feel like right now, you know, we don't think about books in the same way. But if the electricity went out, there would be a huge value in having books again. I always think about uh, Abraham Lincoln. He had a 50-mile limit. He would walk 50 miles in one direction for a book. He wouldn't go any further, but that was his circle. We've talked about circles of uh, influence, circles of survival, right? That was his limit, but he was so hungry for information. And, you know, in terms of having these conversations about who is our tribe, I think one of the things that many of us who are probably here have in common is we like to read, we like to learn, we like information. And at some point, I believe, again, there'll be this value in having books. And it would be 
I think it would be, it's fun for me. I love going to book sales. So I wanted to get your thoughts about what your favorite book is. Uh, what you, do you think that it will be something that will, we will seek to value in the future? And uh, is it something that's important and valuable to you, uh, our physical books? Because it's not uh, any shortage of books out in the world. I think everybody and their brother has written a book at this point in time. It used to be kind of a status symbol, oh, I, write, I wrote a book. And now it's uh-huh, right? Just like video, uh-huh, or podcast, uh-huh. Like there's so many people putting information out it's become watered down. And it's to the point where I'm sure you've noticed too, is there's so much cut and paste, right? So if you're, uh, I've noticed if I'm researching things online, I'm finding the same wording, like people are just cutting and pasting whoever wrote the original article or information, it just gets copied and promoted as uh, not theirs. They don't get any credit. Whoever does the original work doesn't get any credit. It's just this constant uh, cut and paste. And so the information becomes questionable because you don't know who the origin source is. Uh, and it doesn't mean if it's in a book that it's real, but there's something about the physical printed word holding the book in your hand. And I don't like, I can't read online. Uh, that's why I like to do the audio because when people write uh, on the computer, uh, trying to read it on my phone or trying to read it on the computer, I just, it's very difficult for me to sit and look at it. So I don't know what your experience is. So when I talk about books, I'm talking about what you can hold in your hands. I just feel like there's going to be a point in time where that will be very, very valuable. And that might be something that I could focus on uh, in this offline analog world. And why I think that's so important is that, uh, yeah, we spend a lot of time thinking about our survival. But I will tell you, having at this point putting all my energy is into just basic survival day in and day out, it's not enough. And uh, whether you're relationship oriented or you're mission oriented, it's just not enough to do, you know, it, the, there can be short term, like, where am I going to eat, you know, build fire, carrot, chop wood, carrot water. But if that's all you do all day, every day, it's so monotonous and it's I don't want to say it's depressing, but there's a heaviness to it when there's nothing else that is activating. And and I say activating, that's, you know, anything that sparks imagination or that that encourages creativity. And and it and some people, you know, may be happy their whole life just chop wood, carry water and not think about anything, but uh, I don't live in that world, and and my my tribe doesn't live in that world. My tribe is curious, and we want to learn, and we want to explore, and we want to seek. Uh, and you know that was always found in the world of books. And I have uh, been, you know, mentally, you know, trying to sort out 
uh, what I'm going to take with me, uh, you know, as we move closer here. And, uh, you know, one of the questions is because you can't take very many clothes is you can't take very many clothes. And so that's another picture I have below is uh, once upon a time, I uh, loved the catalogs of Banana Republic. I don't know if you guys remember that, but the original Ban Banana Republic before it was The Gap. And why I loved it was the, I mean, I love the style. I love the way that they created the catalog itself with the drawings and the, the blurbs. And if I can find the right one, I'm going to put uh, a blurb up there that talks about Isaac Dennison. She was the out of Africa. Uh, she, she wrote the book. I don't know how they got the movie from the book because the two had nothing in common. And the book I couldn't stand and the movie is one of my favorite. But there's this hilarious blurb in there where the native people uh, were would say to her, her comment was, you know, when she was working on the farm, she would wear these terrible old clothes with oil stains and trousers, you know, and just these horrible clothes, which of course you hear me talk about day in and day out. You know, that's one of the things that's depressing for me is always wearing these terrible, dirty clothes. And how when someone would come over, she would dress up. And even the native people were like, you should do that more often. You should look like a girl more often. <laughs> and I'm laughing like, this is not a new conversation in her head. But the reason I'm sharing that is it sparked my imagination. It sparked my explorer uh, when I was a teenager. It was it sparked out these ideas of travel and new things and adventure. And you know, at that age, everything was somewhere, someday, and some possibility. And you know, it gets harder as we get not only older and you know limitations, but you know, with the state of the world, those kinds of someday impossibilities are shrinking in terms of what may or may not be available to us. But to me, you know, in many ways, it's like a creative little book, these catalogs, is that it just, it it created all this imagination. Uh, the only piece of clothing I have left is a flight jacket that was patterned after Amelia Earhart. And I still keep it with me. I don't, you know, I, the last time I wore it, I don't even know how. I was just not even, I didn't even touch, I didn't think, the barbed wire fence. Somehow, you've heard me bitch about the barbed wire, right? Like, somehow I ripped the arm on the barbed wire, and I don't even remember, I was making a video, I don't even remember being close enough to the barbed wire to rip the leather, but I have a big hole in the, the arm, and some of the leather has been eaten away but it's like I don't care because it sparks all my imagination uh, about flying and one of my favorite characters was a or people real life books is called West with the Wind and it's written controversially whether it was her or her husband by a woman named Beryl Markham and she is the character in Out of Africa uh, I think they call her Felicity she's the young girl who's asking uh Meryl Streep's character about, you know, being with men, and she's kind of a wild child. And uh, in real life, they all knew each other. And she, you know, she uh, trained horses to race. She, she grew up in Africa, 
you know, running around with the kids of the tribe, you know, with her spear chasing lions. I mean, she was a wild child and she flew planes and she did all this stuff when there was adventure out in the world. And all that stuff sparked me. It was just, uh, you know, reading her book was descriptive and magical. And all these written words and drawings and photographs, you know, before there was lots of video, just created all this curiosity and this imagination and this future, uh, in addition to practical information. You know, I spent years and years and years reading uh, you know, medical information about hormones and all this other kind of stuff. And now, you know, you see off-references as if they're nothing. But it's it was a whole world that created possibility. And I, I'm wondering, you know, if we're missing that. Because, you know, I was thinking about part of the adventure was the unknown. You just saw one or two pictures and you imagined all this other stuff. I find myself now, if I'm curious about something, I look at a video about somebody who's already gone there and I'm like, uh, well, I don't even want to go now. I, I did that with the uh, petrified wood forest I talked about on the stones where it was about an hour uh, north of me where I was in Arizona and it was I am at, when I heard petrified wood forest, I had this whole thing in my imagination. When I looked at somebody who went there, I'm like, that looks exactly like where I'm standing right now. Why do I want to go pay money for something that's in a, that I'm, you know, living at for free, right? And I'm finding that, you know, when you do these, these uh, visuals online, it's taking everything away from the adventure of going out and finding and seeing it for yourself. Uh, and I'm thinking that that's translating to who we are as people too, in terms of, of not seeking and exploring out in the world because we have so much to seek and explore through our screens. And all of this started for me, you know, with books, because, you know, my mom was a teacher and she would bring books home from the library. And she was very encouraging uh, about my curiosity and, you know, keeping me learning. And so, you know, I had a start most kids don't have and that there was a lot of intentional effort to keep me curious. I think, you know, in the end, it was a nightmare because I all I did was ever ask questions. But it was you know, I was lucky. I was brought up in that way. And I'm wondering how much of that is gone and how do we want to move forward? You know, as we think about, uh, you know, the internet going down, you know, from what I understand is we'd all be desperate because most of us don't sit or spend a lot of time in silence. Uh, I know I don't. I've always got some kind of audio, not always, but a lot of times I have audio running um, because it helps me that with my brain. It helps keep, you know, the chatter part of my brain busy so I can do other things. But it's just become such an integrated part of my life. And what will we do when that silence returns? If it returns. But how powerful the written word has been in my life. And I'm curious if it's been 
powerful in your life? And if so, why? And if you could take one book with you, or you would have one book you wanted to share with us, what would that be? I would love to know that. And so some of the other pictures I wanted to uh, to talk about is um, I was winding down last night, you know, and I had just one window open because it's been raining, so it's been cooler. And uh, the dogs were going crazy and I kept looking on the ground and I couldn't see anything and I don't know what they're barking at and I'm like, whatever. So, but they're fixated, you know, after about 20 minutes of this. So I finally tried to look to see where they were looking and there was three kitties on top of this truck. That's one of those Peterbilt trucks. So it's pretty tall. Of course, the minute I thought, ooh, I want to take a picture, they all jumped off. And so eventually they came back uh, it wasn't a great picture because when I looked at them, they were sitting in three in a row. But I wanted to tell the story because uh, this is, you know, what happens in the silence as we watch what's going on outside. And uh, the black cat was a baby when I was here last year and I was parked in a different place. And uh, I wanted to rescue that kitty because I felt so bad because of the mom. It was, she was still a big, it's a girl because she has babies, right? She was still a baby when her mom disappeared. You know, for a long time, I saw her and her mom. Uh, it was uh, that the, the her mother showed up. It was never a cat that was domesticated here. It was just some cat that showed up. Uh, it was The mom was black. And then this little black baby showed up. This little tiny black baby showed up. And then the mom disappeared and this, I don't know how old she was, maybe, you know, 12 weeks or four months, something like that. She was on her own. And I thought, I felt so bad. I wanted to rescue her, quote unquote, rescue uh, and keep her because that was, uh, I don't remember the timing and all that who was alive and who was living here. But anyways, uh, but I, but then the chaos happened here and I had to move off. And so I had to leave her behind. And I, I always felt terrible because I just, all I could do was imagine, you know, this terrible life she had because it's so cold up here. You know, there's lots of days it doesn't clear freezing and it's below zero and there's snow and, you know, there's lots of places for mice to live, but you just project out in the same way, you know, that books, create imagination. You know, when we look at things, uh, we project out how they're thinking, how they're feeling. And I was so upset because I just kept imagining how this baby cat was going to suffer because at some point it would be eaten because everything around here is eaten. You know, the rabbits, the lady next door had domesticated rabbits that got out and uh, two of them were here last year hanging out together and then one of them disappeared, and then the two babies showed up. There was a black baby and a pure white baby. I thought I was seeing things, uh, but I only saw the pure white one like three times. And then the day after I saw the black one, I saw it dead. So, you know, pretty much anything that's a baby is food for something else at some point in time. So you can't get emotionally attached because there is definitely a cycle of life. But I was 
sad that this baby kitty was all alone and would have to figure out how to survive through winter because that was fall. You know, we were moving into winter. Well, a couple uh, days ago, I saw the black cat. I'm like, wow, I can't believe that black cat survived. And uh, it was like, well, good for her, right? Well, today, yesterday, I saw the two kittens with her. I think there was another kitten because somebody here on the property found a little tiny gray kitten and both her babies have uh, gray stripes on them. But the three of them were just so cute and they're playing and they're trying to climb up the truck. And, and I was thinking how there's tragedy, right? Are you going to be hungry? Is something going to eat you? Uh, are you going to suffer because it's cold versus, you know, now you have babies and you have something to take care of and you have something to love and say to be connected with and curious with and playful with and how that's what our life is, right? It's all these different kinds of moments. And I'm talking about these two stories because you know, at the same time yesterday, I, uh, again, you know, I'm listening to things. And, you know, on the one hand, I'm listening to to idiots blather on about nothing. And I think, ugh, what a waste of life space. And then, you know, somebody else later is talking about horrific things uh, that are probably coming here shortly. And... It's like the survival work, it's exhausting and it's depressing and it's all pushing down. You know, I've talked about the push-pull process, right? It's just overwhelming all this information about what could be and, you know, survival and blah. And I just don't physically have the energy to solve, fix, survive all of this. And so I'm trying to shift gears into, okay, this is how much time I have left. What do I want to do with it? And it's brought me back to, you know, I used to have adventure. I used to seek new experiences. I used to want to meet new people. And and it's not that I don't want to do that. I think, you know, for me, the biggest issues are physical fatigue and financial capacity to travel just because the truck gets crappy gas mileage you know gas is expensive and it costs me a lot of money to drive anywhere you know I think it's you know I have a 40 gallon tank at four dollars you know is 160 bucks so it's not easy for me to travel randomly because gas is so expensive so it's not that I don't or won't go do these things I just physically have been tired all the time so it's difficult but the biggest issue is the money for gas uh, being because I'm so physically far away from everybody and everything you know it's hundreds of dollars and I don't have that you know I just don't have the money to go drive around but I'm trying to bring back that idea of what what can we do in this time that we have left how can we find those core pieces of us that are both who we used to be that we loved within ourselves. Like I loved, I loved that explorer energy. And when I was looking at all these, uh, there's a, uh, I think it's called secret fan base, but uh, there's a website where this gal has put all these 
uh, Banana Republic images on her site. You know, she's created a whole site about it. And I just remember how all these things made me feel in terms of possibility. You know, when I look at the kitties, it's it reminds me, you know, that there's just a cycle to life. And you can't be safe every moment, but how precious those moments are when you're happy and you're cute and you're, I mean, your babies are cute and the weather is beautiful and the flowers are blooming. And, you know, I have moments with the dogs where they're just so cute, it's painful, right? And then there's the other moments where I just want to kill them. But, but it's this but this is the light. This is what life is. And it's hard right now to not, at least for me, uh, I am drowning in the practical of survival. I'm drowning in, you know, the uncertainty of what the future is. Uh, and I'm drowning in all this, what could be coming down the pike. Uh, while I'm aware, you know, I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to get back to those feelings of some kind of possibility and joy and and unknown in a positive way not like unknown and waiting for the hammer to fall but more like you never know who you're going to meet you know I just every time I would go to a library bookstore sale right you never know what you're going to find you never know what rare book is going to be sitting there. You know, I like that in terms of just going to the thrift store. There was the best thrift store ever in Mountain Air, which was this tiny little thing. But man, some of the most interesting things would show up. Uh, you know, I think in the big cities and even most size cities now, uh, and I don't know, I've noticed just the thrift store clothes are, are starting to get really expensive, but they were really cheap there. I mean, they would charge you a dollar. Uh, you know, when I was in California, I could get shirts for 25 cents, which was important because I was blowing through them, you know, in terms of destroying them, in terms of getting dirty. But uh, where I was in California, at the dump, they had this huge metal building where you could leave your stuff. So if you had something good, you didn't want to throw it in the dump, you could put it uh, into the shop and... Uh, you know, they would sell it for pretty cheap. And uh, I got my hot pot there. I think I paid two bucks for an electric hot pot. And I got one of those really cute uh, three cup backpack coffee pots, just tiny little thing. And so you never knew when you were going to find something uh, unique and exciting. You know, the bad news is the employees there would pilfer off all the good stuff. But it was still fun. There was still excitement. There was still imagination, you know, that books used to spark ideas, uh, you know, adventures used to spark ideas, you know, the thought of meeting new people used to spark ideas, you know, and I find myself now meeting new people, you know, evaluating, are you safe? Are you going to be somebody that's going to rob me? Do I need to uh, create distance really fast because you are uh, dangerous, right? Because, that's the future is this, you know, impending, uh, I need to make good decisions because you don't know what the future holds. But I want more of that the way it used to be. And there's no reason why we can't because uh, the reality is, is we don't have 
any control over what's happening. And I don't have any control over, uh, you know, my, at this point, you know, having things change. Like there's just, I can't do it. I know I can't physically survive a hardcore grid down scenario. So until then, even in the face of all this heaviness that's moving towards us, uh, I am remembering how much I loved books, how much I loved the spark of adventure, of seeking things unknown, and how much that's been taken away from me with these damn digital stuff, right? It's just there's no adventure. It's like all you have to do is watch other people's adventure. And and it takes the air out. And I miss that. I miss that idea of, of, of launching somewhere into something, into the great unknown. You know, when I was in my early 20s, I went to Europe to backpack. And I went alone. And I was terrified. So I'm not going to pretend like I don't get freaked out. I mean, I was shaking. I was so terrified. And I, uh, it was, the beginning was rough, you know, until you get the hang of it. And, you know, once I got the hang of it, I remember thinking, you know, there's a, I can relax. I don't even have to worry about being homeless in the future because that was before, you know, internet and all the cell phones and all those things, right? And I, But I remember thinking, you know, I can take care, I can do this, I can figure things out. There was such a confidence building in the experience itself without having any real tools other than a book to carry with me. Uh, I took in my backpack, which was 3,000 pounds, I'm sure, I took Atlas Shrugged because it was this great big fat novel, right? And then I took uh, a travel book that told me all off-the-wall places to go. My favorite place, because the dogs are activating here, so we're going to wind down quickly, but uh, my favorite place that I found from my book, it was uh, in Paris. And I showed up. I had been on the phone, I think. I must have called them payphone. Uh, I called this place and it was a uh, it was supposed to be for students. And uh, I didn't know where it was. And so I was trying to get there on the trains. And I remember being in the train and looking across the platform at the train across from me thinking, oh shit, that's the one I'm supposed to be on. Uh, it was like eight o'clock at night and they were going to close at nine. And so I'm panicked because, you know, I'm in the middle of Paris by myself at night in the dark and I don't know where I'm going and so I'm panicking you know and so I think okay I think that's the right one so I run across the track and I get in the other train and somehow I manage to get to this uh, place you know I knock on the door and I think they called it a foyer but that's a hallway so I'm not sure so anyways I knock on the door and somebody's there and they bring me in and they take me to where I'm going to sleep and it's this it's like this five-story building with all these rickety stairs and so I'm like and they wind me up and I end up in this place where there's like five people it's not a room it's kind of an opening but there's uh so it's not five beds all together, but it's like a big space with, you know, half walls. And in the corner is this little bed and a chair, and that's my place. And 
uh, in the morning, you know, I get up and I stayed there for about a week and there's a kitchen and in the kitchen they deliver these bags of baguettes and people would have baguettes and jam and butter and then they had this, this is like, I'm just describing one of these idyllic moments, right? They had these, this coffee or chocolate that you mixed with milk and you, you would drink out of a bowl and you would heat the milk with the chocolate powdery stuff. It was kind of like hot chocolate, but it wasn't. I couldn't, I spent like 20 years trying to recreate that chocolate milk thing. But there was something about the baguettes and drinking hot chocolate milk in your bowl, you know, in this open kitchen with all these young people from all over the world. And I was the only one who only spoke one language. Everybody but me spoke multiple languages. And I traveled or hung out with them for a week. And I didn't even go to the Louvre or to the Eiffel Tower, I went to all the back places that they, because they lived there, you know, would show me. And it was just one of those magical adventures, right, that you would, you could never do that on purpose. You could never watch a video and say, oh, I'm going to go to that place and I'm going to have that experience. Because the value of the experience was the adventure. It was you know, I don't know how to get there, but oh my gosh, the relief, the joy, oh, I found how to get here. There was just, there was something about all of that that is just so missing. You know, I've noticed that when I've been traveling uh, a little bit this last year, like I've got geolocating on my phone, you know, I've got a an app that says whether I'm on BLM land or I'm not. So I'm looking at the screen and I can see the, you know, the, the peachy area, which is BLM, and, uh, you know, my car isn't quite over the line, and so I get in the car, and I drive 50 yards the other direction, so my car is officially on BLM land, and, you know, and I'm grateful, you know, I'm grateful that it's easy to find places to go, and it's easy to get to that next spot to go sleep, but, it's just not the same. So uh, I wanted to just take this moment with you with all the depressing heaviness that's out in the world and that I've been talking about is just to remember some of these things about what life is as opposed to what we fear it will be versus, you know, the old person version of just lumping yourself into this way of being that can feel extremely monotonous. And, you know, I think for those of us who are practical about preparing and uh, for whatever future comes, it's really easy to get lost in the day in and day out of all that and how for, it feels very, uh, it feels more difficult because there's just a reality to probably what's coming, but there's a reality that there's nothing we're really going to be able to do about it. And so we get to decide how we want to be and who we want to be now. Uh, and I've been thinking, you know, about what I want to do and where I want to go. And that's what sort of sparked all these memories and these ideas. And I just wanted to kind of share that because to me, that's the upside of Wired for Danger. Uh, it's the upside of understanding who we are uh, instead of letting our fear drive us to defend against what we don't want, 
we manage our fear for what we do want. I mean, that's the great shift. That's the beauty. Uh, you know, there's nothing about anything that I've done on an adventure that has not just left me with knees shaking and no sleeping, right? It's just been terrifying, some of the things I've done. But I do them. I push through it. And the the feeling of pushing through and surviving is awesome. Uh, you know, just wandering into a magical adventure like I did when I was in Paris is awesome, right? I mean, it's been, what, 40 years? And I can still remember all of it. You know, a lot of my trip I don't remember because there was so much, you know, I went so many different places, but but that one stands out because it was just this, the you know, there was this Japanese where I was in my little corner. There was a girl from Japan there. It was I think I was there in uh, late February, early March, and she still had this old Christmas tree up, right? You know, I can still see, like, lights being strung and laundry hanging because they were, everybody was living in this very <laughs> basic way, all on top of each other, right? Nobody knew each other. Uh, and I was like, didn't know anybody or I couldn't communicate because I was the only one that didn't speak more than one language. And so if people didn't speak English, you know, I had no ability to communicate. So there was actually a girl from Ireland. She took me under her wing. So she was my translator. But it was it was just this magical experience. And that, to me, is the upside of Wired for Danger. Uh, you know, it started with books and a catalog and a few pictures and... Uh, a few conversations with other travelers, you know, I had met years earlier, like, I just want to do that someday. And, and I'm so glad I did it before cell phones and internet, because there was something about pushing into the unknown and surviving in that way, that was awesome, that feels lost. But that's sort of my question. So before we uh, disengage here, what, what, would be the one book you would take with you? What would be the value of books if everything went down electrically? Uh, what would you do? How important would it be for you to have access to ideas if all the digital world collapsed? I would love to hear your favorite books and your thoughts. All right, the dogs are fully engaged, so we're going to take a deep breath. I'm going to say thank you. I'm so glad you're here. And with that, my friends, I will see you next time.